The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Welcome to the Chronic Podcast with host Ralph Malbro and featuring bloggers Andrew Juge of SaintsNation.com, Kevin Held of The Team Drops the Ball, and Dave Cariello of Canal Street Chronicles. This podcast is nothing but serious football talk and hardcore analysis. Which four of you would survive the longest in the zombie apocalypse, and in which order would you die? Well, Ralph, no offense, you're going first. Oh, definitely. <laughs> no, 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 no. The zombies would smell Dave's sugar blood and target him. Yeah. <laughs> They'd get his. <laughs> I don't even have a joke, Dave. <laughs> Dave. Dave smells like nougat. Now here's your host, Ralph Malbrough. All right, welcome to the Chronic Podcast. As always, we are sponsored by the Pelican House 2572 City Place Court, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. They have 136 draft beers, Andrew. They have a 50-foot TV. They have a menu to die for. And LSU, they're back on track. They're, according to Joe Lenardi, Andrew, they're a 10 seed in the NCAA tournament. So you got college basketball to care about. You got LSU baseball coming up. You got the Pelicans. Maybe they can get their shit together and win the pelican house 2572 city place court go there watch sports just eat it's fantastic just go they support us so you should support them yeah quick note on lsu hoops it's gonna go down to the wire it is i I can already feel that they're gonna rip our hearts out right at the end when they have a shot at the tournament i think they're gonna i think i think andrew as far as lsu i think they're gonna be in the playing game i think they're gonna be a tuesday they're gonna be one of the playing games they're gonna be like the 11 12 seed i could go for that they're gonna be in a, they're gonna be in a playing game against some random big 12 or big 10 team it's just that's the way that's the way it's gonna be and the thing is that like lsu i could see them andrew being in a play playing game and getting to the sweet 16 or i could see them playing well and being like an eight or nine scene and getting trucked in the first yep. round. Like, oh yeah. They, the, you could, you could give me almost any scenario of LSU and I'd be like, yeah, it's plausible. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so look people, it's the off season. Dave is on baby duty. Um, uh, <laughs> Dave just texted me. I'm out baby shit. Sorry. Should be back on track next week because Dave had a new baby <laughs> Girl, congratulations! Dave. Yeah, congrats, Dave. Kevin is in a uh, a snow apocalypse in St. Louis. Yeah, as am I. As in <laughs> Virginia. In Virginia, I am not. We're, we complain in Houston because it's 37 degrees right now. Yeah, I don't think I'll be going to work tomorrow. It looks like we're gonna get snowed in. Nice. We're gonna get we're gonna get about 10 to 12 inches. So you did you just drink and like watch the E Channel? Uh, well, the, yes, on the drinking part, uh, I, I don't, I don't watch E. So we're like, we're going to take Twitter questions. We got a bunch of those, but we'll get to those later, but we came up with a good idea and it's too bad Kevin and Dave aren't here because I forgot who tweet tweeted this out at last week. It might've been Adam Fauche or somebody else, but they said, look, you need to build the best and worst fantasy football teams comprised just of saints. So me and Andrew were like, hell yeah. We're starting with the worst, though. We're going to oh, save the best. We're, we're, so 
We're doing 16 rounds here, people, because the Saints, they don't really have any news. I mean, they haven't cut anybody, but the cap stuff is coming up soon, right, Andrew? I mean, we, we were signed a couple guys. We, oh, Shane Graham, Paris Harrelson, and uh, Senio Kilomete, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I still think the kicking duty, just because they signed Shane Graham, if, if, I mean, I could see them if they like the kicker picking them in the fifth to seventh round. Um, but my thing with Shane Graham, Andrew, is he's okay. He's good inside of 40. He missed one inside of 40, I think. Uh, he missed the extra point, which was whack. Um, but I'm okay. Like, Shane Graham, like, of all the Saints' issues, like, if there's if the Saints are like, look, we're just going to go with the old ginger. We got enough. We got a ton of other problems we got to worry about. Like, I'm okay with it. Yeah, and um... – Look, I think the main way to look at it is this. I, everyone would prefer a, a better kicker. I mean, obviously, I, I don't think there's any question that his leg strength is mediocre, and in a perfect world, the Saints would have a better kicker. But he, here's the reality that we're facing, and I think everyone needs to realize this and accept that Shane Graham's the kicker and that we're fine. we should be fine with that. And the main thing is he's a career 85% kicker, Ralph. 85%. Yeah. Last year... He was 86 percent, so yeah. he, he he's even better than his career last year. I, I think if you look at up and down the roster, all the problems that the Saints had last year, I would put Shane Graham at the very bottom of the list. No, he's fine. He's fine. And, and now we know like the, the the salary cap issues are well documented. You're yeah. talking about a guy that comes in at the veteran minimum and hits at an 86 percent clip. So look, if you're not going to invest a lot of money in a kicker, you're 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 going to pay the bare minimum. And you're getting a guy that's performing like that. I'll take it. You know, yeah. is is he is he the second coming of Jan Stenerud? No, he's not. But I, I don't think the Saints can afford anyone better. Yeah, I mean, look, you're you're cutting corners a little. And if you know, if the Saints are in 2015 and they're down 21 to 20, and Shane Graham's trotting out there for a 48-yard field goal on grass you're thinking he's not going to make it, but inside the dome, inside 45, they're going to play, you know, 10 games next year in a dome. I mean, it's fine. Um, yeah. And, and Paris Harrelson is fine. I mean, he's a, he's a guy, you know, you can't have 53 all pros. He, no. he's good against the run. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. Um, I, I mean, I, I, Ralph, I don't know who the, who the saints big free agent will be this year, but you know, and obviously Jarris bird in year one didn't work out. But perfect example when you have when you don't have a, a ton of money tied into a kicker, you get to sign even with the cap situation that the Saints have. You get to sign a Jarris Bird in the off season because you don't have all this money tied into yeah. that position. I mean, my thing with the Saints is I wish they'd have gone with the kicker from Tulane, Carlos Santos, last I year. I agree. Yeah, I, want, I agree. I, I wanted that. He's kicking for Kansas City. But that's neither here nor there. That's done. Yeah, and he had a good year in Kansas City. But, uh, you know, I think you the hope is that this kid, Dustin Hopkins, can beat Graham out, obviously, because then you get a young kicker that's talented. And, and uh, hopefully, you know, I think that's that's the hope, for, I think, for all of us as Saints fans is that he works out. But if he doesn't, again, you've got a solid veteran that, that will do fine. Yeah, and that's that's the wrap on Saints news for uh... – Samuel. Oh, and Luke, Luke McCown, that was the Oh, yeah, was Luke McCown, uh, which yeah, was yeah. – I mean, the, here's the thing, though, for Luke McCown. If, if Ryan Griffin can't beat Luke McCown out this year, then Ryan Griffin – Forget it. Forget it. Yeah, like, I agree. Um, but look, um, we'll see, we'll get into free agency soon. And, 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 you know, the more I think about it, Andrew, 
Uh, Dave's thing of we. He went on a rant last week of we bitch and complain about it. the Saints never have any cap room and Mickey Loomis figures out a way. Uh, I tend to lean with Dave, and here's my here's my theory, and you feel free to shoot it down. People did on Twitter, but my theory with the Saints this year is Mickey Loomis is going to carve out a little bit of space, and instead of going like they did in 2013 for Keenan Lewis, he is going to employ the theory that they did in 2012 where we were like, my God, the Saints linebackers are terrible. And he signed Chamberlain, he signed Lofton, Lofton, and he signed Hawthorne. Chamberlain ended up getting hurt and beating the washout. Lofton's like a B player. Hawthorne's like a C plus. I think, Andrew, they're going to do that at corner. I think they're going to go out and get two or three corners in the 2 to $4 million range. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why anyone would disagree with that. I mean, that, to me, that's clearly the biggest need. I think they need speed on defense. I think they need speed yeah. at linebacker, but you, you can potentially get that with your first-round pick. There's a lot of nice prospects, pass rushers and stuff. So, uh, But, yeah, I mean, I, I just don't see how you can look at how the Saints performed and not envision them getting more than one guy. That I first. mean, they had, to, ter- they had Terrence Frederick playing at corner. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the year, I mean, that's closed. That's, I mean, it's like, yeah. don't even. They had him and Brian Dixon playing a ton of snaps. Yeah. Corner was a, I'd call it a dumpster fire, but that's not being fair to dumpster fires. And at this point, I mean, hopefully we're proven wrong, but I don't think we can count on Stanley Jean Baptiste amounting to anything. At this no, point. no. I mean, I, I, I think, I think, I think, in my heart of hearts, I believe they wanted. Jeremy Hill, and when Cincinnati picked him, they went, oh, fuck! Who are we going to pick? And they picked Stanley Jean-Baptiste, perhaps even by accident. <laughs> um, you know, so that that's Saints news. So look, we're in off-season, we got to come up with fun topics, so we decided to do the worst Saints fantasy football team comprised of all Saints players that are terrible. The only rules we set up for me and Andrew to do this were... They had to play – they had to be on the roster for a full year, and they had to play in at least – what did we say, Andrew? Ten or twelve – ten games, I think it was. Yes. So you can't, like, pick, like, a random dude that the Saints signed, like Lewis Lips, and he fumbled two punts. We can't sign him and, and have, draft him at wide receiver. So we're going to do this draft. We're going to do a full team of Saints. And, and Andrew – me and Andrew were, were discussing this back and forth as Andrew was snowed in and – Charlottesville, Virginia, and I was just fucking off at work. The Saints, if you want to build the worst fantasy team in the history of football, they are deep at quarterback, and they are deep at wide receiver, Andrew. Absolutely. It's tough, and you won the coin flip. You get the number one pick of the Saints' horrible fantasy draft, so you are on the clock. Who are you picking number one? Okay, well, I'm going to be that guy that uh, that picks defense in the first round. And, uh, you know, you're the guy where all your buddies, it's the <laughs> one guy in your league that's awful, doesn't really know how to play. He's like your buddy, but he doesn't know anything about football. And you, you let him play because you feel like it'll be an easy win, and he stops checking his lineup after week three. Uh, but I'm going to be that guy that picks defense first. I'm going with Spags, baby. <laughs> no introduction needed. 2012 Saints defense. Yeah, the one thing about them is they did have that random what-the-fuck shutout, and that could, like, if you're trying to score the lowest fantasy total, that one shutout may boost them up. 
Um, because that 80 defense, Andrew, that 80 defense was bad. Oh, well, yeah, you can pick them second overall if you'd yeah. like. Um, no, uh, I, uh, I'm on the clock now, and, and I'm going to steal one of yours, but I don't care because you, this, uh, this guy, uh, Heath Schuler, uh, he was, um, indescribably bad Ditka's first year, um, and I'm just going to read this to you. He, he started nine games, which is just below the threshold, but we're cheating anywhere. He completed 52% of his passes. Eh. He had two touchdowns, Andrew. 14 picks. An interception rate of 6.9. An av- eight fumbles. Don't forget eight fumbles. Don't forget eight fumbles. And this, which is the most horrifying thing. Average yards per attempt was 3.4. I don't even know how to put that into words. Drew Brees was dropping below eight, and people were like, he can't complete the deep ball anymore. Heath Schuler was 3.4. Heath Schuler was so bad that Ditka gave up a third-round pick for him should go on Ditka's tombstone. It, it it's a year of ineptitude rivaled only by Jamarcus Russell and Ryan Leaf. I mean, we're, we're not just talking Saints here. I mean, this is a top five golden standard worst seasons as a quarterback of all time. Yeah. In just, NFL history. Oh, there is no there is no doubt. Um, so I pick Keith Schuler. So now you are on the clock, Andrew. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to stay somewhat recent here. Um, and since since we're on the topic of players that the Saints were able to poach from the Redskins, uh, I'm going to pick Albert Connell. Oh, Albert Connell. In 2001, um, he was signed to a five-year deal for $13 million. So you think, all right, this guy's going to come in and maybe uh, help us uh, help us with uh, some plays down the field. Um, instead, what he gave the Saints was one season, 11 games, uh, one start. He caught 12 passes, Ralph, 12 passes in one season before being <laughs> cut. And he was cut because he was accused of stealing $4,000 in cash from Deuce McCallum. But as a fantasy Walker. player, if you want to build a bad fantasy team, like that's a good – that's a solid choice, Andrew. And the only thing about Albert, he did have that redonkulous catch week one against Buffalo, which might, which is probably in the top five of all-time greatest Saints catches. Yeah. But that's – I'll good. give him that. But I think – Hey, thanks, Redskins. I think, Andrew, that uh, – uh, personally, um, you, you you missed the guy that needed to be the, the number one um, receiver taken in the fantasy draft for the Saints. Lindsey Scott. Oof. Drafted in the top 15 by the Saints in 1982. Um, let me just read off. His career stats. He played four years for the Saints, started seven, seven, five, and three games. He caught 17, 24, 21, and seven. He did so much cocaine that I think Kevin Held said he once s- snorted 
uh, the hash mark, which I believe may have been true. Um, <laughs> he caught one touchdown. His longest completion as a Saint was for 37 yards. If you got fantasy points for snorting cocaine, he would he'd be, be he'd be he'd be a home. first overall pick. Um, yeah, Lindsey Scott. Uh, he's a Georgia legend. Because of a pass he caught. For the Saints, he was a fucking disaster. So my choice is Lindsey Scott. So, Andrew, what are you – you're on the clock now. All right. Um, I'm going to uh, pick – we need a running back here. We got a, two receivers, a quarterback, a defense. So um, I'm going to go with a guy, uh, and, and this is going to be someone that no one's ever heard of, but, but it bears mention because uh, – Rod, Rod McNeil in 1975, a running back for the Saints, he had 61 carries, Ralph, 61. He finished the season with 3.4 yards per carry, not very good. Six fumbles, <laughs> Ralph. Six fumbles. and six. He literally fumbled 10% of the time he touched the ball. That's... And it's not like we're saying he carried it twenty times and fumbled twice or, or ten times no. and he fumbled once. The guy, the guy fumbled six times. Yeah, no, that's that's you know in it, one season. You see, and that makes me sad because the guy I had as my number one running back, and I'm going to take him now is Gil Finnerty, and nice. in, in 1990. He fumbled four times in 73 rushes. Um, and let's see. He averaged in 1990. He played in 15 games and he averaged three yards a carry, 3.6. Um, you know, and he's he, nicknamed, he was nicknamed Fumbles Fennerty for Fumbles Fennerty. They got him out of Canada. They thought they had something. They did not. <laughs> um, he was actually a decent kick returner. But when you're trying to build the worst fantasy team in history, you need guys that throw interceptions. You need guys that fumble. And I feel like with McNeil and Fennerty, we have a potent, potent backfield. Yeah, I'm, I'm liking it. All right. So what do you got? You're All right, well, uh, we got kicker, and there's really two. We need a kicker here, and there's really two that I like. Um, there's two that I like here, but uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Benny Ricardo first. Uh, of course, he was on the infamous 1980 worst Saints team ever that went 1-15. And, and obviously, when you go 1-15 and, and you're that bad, you you got holes everywhere, but uh, kicker was no exception. Uh, he was 10 of 17 on the year on field goals, 10 of 17, and he also missed three extra points. Ooh, that's bad. See, I was thinking on that spot, Alindo Mare, because his 2007 season, Alindo Mare never was less than 72% in his kicks at any season, except 2007 with the Saints, where he was 10 of 17 and missed an extra point. But that's a good choice. That's a that's a strong. So wait, is Mari your your pick? No, Mari's oh, not okay. my pick. Okay, so okay. this one was tough, and this one is this one is tough because he's a good player. He's a Saint. I think he might even be in the Saints Hall of Fame. Holby Brenner. But I'm picking Ooh. him because in 1990 he started 16 games and he caught 17 passes. So if you want a bad fantasy team, you want the tight end that only catches a pass a week. 
Yeah, and I I, th- I feel like b- before a season started, if fantasy existed back then, Hobie Brenner's probably a guy you would have selected and assumed he would do okay because I mean he had some seasons where he caught forty balls. Yeah. Um. So you're on the clock now. All right. Um. Brenner's kind of a surprise, but uh, we need a backup quarterback, Ralph. Yeah, we do. And my my pick for the backup quarterback. There's been a lot of bad seasons. I mean, there Billy Kilmer. Um, yeah. you, you, you were a strong uh, advocate of Archie Manning's bad year. 75, uh, Archie. 75, Archie. 20 touchdowns. For me, yep. And, and you know, you've got you've also got um, Ken Stabler in 83. Oh, Ken Stabler, 83 is bad. Billy Joe Tolliver in 99. Oh, I mean, there were some really bad ones. But for me, the guy is Richard Todd, uh, who started 14 games for the Saints in 1984, he threw 11 touchdowns, 19 picks, <laughs> an interception percentage rate of 6.1%. Every 6% of his throws were picked off. Um, he was an interception machine, um, finished with a rating of just above 60. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Archie 75 was in the – I think his rating was in the 40s. But Richard Richard Todd is bad. I I mean, we might have to go with third quarterback. So now, now it's getting now it's getting difficult because you go you go deep. But um, I'm gonna go with this one. This was this was a, this was a hard one because uh, we need another we need another receiver. Um, and you know it, it's it's hard because the Saints have a lot of receivers like. Um, Adrian Arrington or Onimo Ojo that don't crap they you know they they were they were they were whatever and they crapped out right so we need guys we need guys that 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 played and and did and did some things so I'm gonna go with this is a guy that uh, people may not know uh, but uh, Wesley Carroll. Uh, he was pretty bad. He, the Saints picked him in the second round, but I'm just going to read off you uh, his stats. Now, as I pull it up here, let me see here. This is, this, you know, he, uh, 12 games in 1991. He didn't start any, but he only caught 18. 92, started five, caught 18. 93, started none, caught six. And that's his career with the Saints, and then he was out of the league. So I feel like Andrew. He was he was hyped too. He was he hyped. was hyped too because he he was at he was from the U. Um, yep. I feel like that's a strong choice as a third wide receiver or a flex. I like it. Uh, well, I just can't believe we haven't brought up uh, the the nineteen eighty Saints defense yet. Um, no, know, again, one in fifteen. I mean, we you, for for those of you that are saying, you know, hey, why aren't you saying Rob Ryan's defense this past year? Look, Rob Ryan's defense is Hall of Fame material compared to uh, to the nineteen eighty defense. Let me just say this: they were thirty second, of course, in the league, of course, uh, dead last. Uh, they gave up fifteen yards per game more than uh, the thirteenth place team. Uh, they were also last in the league in scoring, uh, giving up over 60 points more than the next worst. And don't forget, if you need a cherry on top of the Sunday, they, the Saints in 1980 led San Francisco 35 to seven at the half and lost. And it, at the time, it was the biggest comeback in NFL history. True story. 
So I mean that that's a that's a strong choice for D. I mean we. So you know now it's it gets tough because we're you know we're we're three deep at wide receiver. We're two deep at running back. This this running back. Uh, you know I think. Andrew, I'm going to let you do it. You, it was a combination running back, and I feel like I'm stealing it from you, but but go ahead. Tell the people what you wanted to do. For, okay, for, but this, for this is your pick? This is my pick. But okay. Uh, but so are you, are you, okay, so we have – so basically the dynamic duo, the thunder and lightning of Mike Ditka in 1997, you got Ray Zellers and Lamar Smith. Lamar Smith averaged 3.3 per carry. Zellers was barely better at 3.5, and neither player could hold on to the football. They combined for 10 fumbles, Zellers with six, Lamar Smith with four. That's bad. We're going to do that. That, you know, we're, we're, um, that, that's a, that's a strong, that's a strong, uh, that's a strong tandem at, at running back for, for suckness. Yeah. Um, you know, I just thought of someone that I feel may have fallen through the cracks. Um, uh, I gotta look up his. I gotta look up his stats. But uh, he's a wide receiver. Uh, he was a Ditka. He was a Ditka signee. You, Sean Dawkins. That's a good one too. No, I wasn't. Um, I was uh, not Andre Hastings. No, Andre Hastings was had, yeah, he had, had some, some decent years. No, I was thinking of Cadre Ismael. Oh God! In 1998 with the Saints, he only started one game, so he kind of doesn't qualify. But he played in ten. He got targeted four times. He caught no passes. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like Andrew, if you're going to build a bad fantasy team, you want the guy that didn't catch any that played, but didn't catch any passes. Yep. Um, well, we still need a backup tight end. Yeah. So, go uh, so I'm gonna go with uh, Boo Williams. Ooh. Um, you know, he was a guy in 2004 that was really talked up. I mean, Saints fans are really into him, thinking he could be like the next guy. And so I could see again a lot of people. 2004 is kind of when fantasy starts. So I'm guessing at that point maybe some people were picking him up in their leagues and thinking, yeah. you know, he was a he was a Buy low with the high, you know, high low low risk, high reward potential. Um, he was targeted 75 times, Ralph, in in that season and caught 33 passes. So just to, you know, we're in the 40s here in terms of when you would throw the ball. The tight end, Ralph, is supposed to be the security valve. You know, he's well, supposed to be over I... the middle, running <laughs> the short routes, and, and literally out of 75 targets. He caught 33 balls. The only thing I remember about Boo Williams is the Saints played Cincinnati, who had, was were like one in 13, and the Saints needed to win like one of their last three to get in the playoffs. It was in 2002 or 2003, whatever. And I just remember Boo Williams had a horrific drop against Cincinnati in the cold. Oh, and that's the thing, yeah. You, some of you might be thinking, oh, well, he didn't have an accurate pass or throw to him. No, Boo Williams was the king of the drop ball. Yeah. He was he was good for at least two a game. Yeah, and like not and like not like oh that's drop that's kind of a tough like like a drop of like a touchdown or like a third and six where there's like no one near him like he was the king of like the the bad bad drop. So that's a strong choice. So we're 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 too deep at defense. We're too deep at quarterback. We're four deep at receiver. We're two we're three deep at running back. 
here's where I feel like we need another quarterback, and we need Ken Stabler from 1983. Uh, dude is personally responsible for Bum Phillips' sadness and not getting the Saints uh, to the playoffs. Ken Stabler in 1983, uh, he his his badness. Uh, I could talk about Andrew that how the Saints were winning by one. And Ken Stabler took a safety against Dallas, and the Saints ended up losing by one. Um, but I'm instead going to talk about the nine touchdowns and the 18 picks, the interception rate of four five point eight. Uh, you know, uh, just That's... the rating of 61. Kenny, he was he was he looked like a homeless man. It, I mean, I'd say I'd say this is a good pick. I thought about going Archie 1975. He's pretty he's pretty bad, or one of the Billy Joe Tolliver, but but Ken Stabler. I feel like if I wanted to lose fantasy games, I feel like he could throw a lot of picks and and and, and lose me football games. Yeah, and I guess we need a backup kicker. Um, so I, I'm going to sneak this one in before you say Mare, because I feel like Chip Miller is much more deserving. Yeah. Um, his short stint with the Saints in 1995, again, he was a formal, f- former Pro Bowl kicker. So you, he comes in and you're thinking, all right, you know, finally the Saints, uh, you've got your Morton Anderson replacement. This guy's not going to miss a beat. Uh, he, he's tried and true. He, he's been successful in the league. So this is a guy you'd want to pick up on your fantasy team. Uh, he, he was, uh, he had a short stint with the saints, but in that time he did manage to miss two extra points and he was a measly eight out of 14 on field goals. Yeah. And they were like, Oh, we, we lost more than Anderson, but it'll be fine. So our team is complete. It isn't fine. <laughs> Here is. Yeah. So my my wife is just like, oh my god, the 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 mom in Scarface was the mom in Better Call Saul. The grant was the grandma. In not that Dave, not that Dave would recognize that. No, because Dave doesn't watch movies. So our team is Spag Nola defense 2012 Saints eight 1980 defense. Our quarterbacks are Heath Schuler, Richard Todd. Ken Stabler, our receivers. I think I think our receivers, Andrew, are just magnificent. You got Albert Connell, Lindsey Scott, Wesley Carroll, and Kadri Ismail. As far as like just a pile of poop, the running backs are bad with McNeil and Finnerty and Lamar Smith and Ray Zellers. The tight ends, Hobie Brenner. Boo Williams, the kickers, Cunningham and Chip Lowe Miller. But Andrew, I'm going to say the wide receivers are just borderline atrocious. It's like, a dumpster fire. It's a, it, it, I mean, that's, that's, I would say if you wanted to build a fantasy team that couldn't score, those are the four wide receivers you'd want. Oh, we'd be in the negative. Yeah. So this, this is a negative point producing team. Yeah. Well, the defense is good for at least negative five. You know, the only the only thing that would scare me on this team that would score points is Gil Fennerty did have like four runs over 50 yards in his career. Lamar Smith did run for a thousand yards one time with the Dolphins. And 
Boo Williams did catch the occasional touchdown. But besides that, this team is just loaded. Yeah, pretty solid. You know, so next week when we have Dave and Kevin, maybe we'll do the best Saints fantasy team. We'll have to set some rules on that because we don't want to have just everybody from the 2011 Saints on the team. Um, so that's that's the worst fantasy team. So now we have some um, Twitter questions. So um, they, they we have some good ones, but – let me pull some up. Uh, Andrew, this is from Hans. Why does me and my wife love PBS British mystery shows so much? You want me to answer that? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm supposed to. I'm supposed to know this. I, yeah. I'm as inquisitive as, as he is. I, I would love have, to know. Do you not have cable, Hans? Is that it? <laughs> Here's the actual football question from Hans. Are you with me that nobody wants to trade up for the Saints' first round pick at 13? Am I sorry? What was the question? Am I surprised? He doesn't think anybody will want to trade up to thirteen for that. Oh, I don't think that's necessarily true. I think, especially now, you see a lot more activity just because the picks don't cost as much money. Yeah. So I think whereas before you had a lot of teams that would resist wanting to move up uh, based purely on the the cap and and just the price that it would cost to get. Now I, I think teams are – if a guy that, that falls to 13 that they really like, I, I think it's very – Yeah. Uh, and I, I know Kevin is the president of the Move Down fan club. And you know certainly I think the Saints are in a position right now, if they feel like this draft is deep, uh, maybe they should move down because um, obviously they've got so many needs. Maybe they can pick up a couple first-round picks or you know just more, more talent. Yeah, I so. mean it, it would depend how far you slide, obviously. Yeah, but I, I think it's one of those things. You're not going to hear much noise about this until it kind of gets to the 11th hour. But I, yeah. I could definitely see it happening. And you have to see what happens and what who falls and that sort of yeah. thing. I would say this. I am now the co-president of the Trade Down uh, Association because I read that Bill Barnwell piece and basically explained how – Bill Belichick runs the draft and basically Bill Belichick's theory on the draft is you're going to miss 50 to 60 percent of the time. So you need as many picks as you can get. And he explained this trade that New England did where they ended up just fleecing the Panthers and they had a they got like a second round. They got like a, a, a second round pick for a third round pick and the Panthers ended up being like one in 15. So they it ended up being like the second pick of the second round and the the Patriots still fucked up the pick. So the point is, Andrew, you just need multiple picks, but the saints don't operate that way. The saints- yeah. That's the, that's the one thing. I think the biggest thing standing in the way of, of the saints trading down is not the value of the pick. It's, it's the team philosophy. No, yeah, I think literally since 2006, correct me if I'm wrong, Ralph, I think they've traded down one time ever. No, they are the king of we are excited about our draft board and our ratings, and we see a guy that we have rated as a third-round guy, and you know, or we have we have a guy that we have rated as a second-round guy, and he's in the third round, so we're going to trade up from the fourth. You know, they, they did the thing where, the, you know, they trade up for John Jenkins, where they got the extra pick for Chris Ivory. I mean, that's how they do it. I mean, and history tells us that's what the, either they're going to stay at 13 or they're moving up. Yeah. I mean, and that, I think if you look early in the career of Sean Payton, I mean, my God, that first draft in 2006, 
Um, you know, it was so good that I think there was a lot of confidence. And, you know, they get Jimmy Graham in the third round years later and Carl Nix. And I think there's just a lot of belief that, hey, no matter who we pick, it's it's going to be gold. And yeah. so you wonder if maybe with the botched drafts of the last five years, um, if maybe confidence has eroded a little bit, maybe they do change their philosophy. I mean, I think, you know, you listen to the the interviews and just in general, Sean Payton saying, Hey, look, everything's on the table and, and just how he kind of approached the end of the season. And I, I think if you're ever going to see a, a shift or a change um, or just a, a different approach, I mean, look, they just hired Ireland. You know, he's yeah. this college guy now. And if he says, look guys, we need to accrue some picks. We need more guys. We need, we need to get more depth. So let, let's accrue as many picks as we can trade down. Yeah, the problem, I think they would possibly be open to doing it. The thing it. is, the problem with that is scouts, they, they, they grade these guys. They fall in love with them. You know, scouts necessarily don't think that way overall as a general manager. But maybe you're like maybe the new infusion of people uh, in there will do them some good. And I just think I just think that you're going to crap out on half your picks. And, you know, the Saints would be better off. That they they have they need multiple corners they need they need bodies. You know? Yeah, I mean, you look at the 49ers. I mean, that, that's another example of a team that's kind of adopted that Belichick philosophy of accruing picks and just you know getting as many as possible. And it doesn't really matter where they pick; just get as many as you can and get get talent in the room. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think uh, there, there's definitely something to be said for that. It seems to be working for the teams that do it. Yeah. All right. This is from Jason LeBlanc. How much, if any, do you gamble on sports in the Saints? Pure degenerates or abstaining altar boys? Well, I'm a degenerate gambler. Uh, and I try to stay away from the Saints games uh, just because if you bet on the Saints and they lose, it's a double whammy, right, Andrew? Because you're like, I, I, the Saints lost and I lost money. Right. The right. one thing that I did this year, though, is one of my gambling philosophies was the last eight years, double-digit underdogs in the NFL cover 70% of the time. So I bet against the Saints early in the year before Vegas figured them out where the Saints were a double-digit favorite versus Tampa at home. They were a double-digit favorite versus Minnesota at home. Um there was a there was one other time they were a double digit favorite and I and and they they I bet against them and the Saints they won and covered all three times but I won money so I did that like I will bet against the Saints just in that um, but I tried I tried to not bet on the Saints the one time I did do it this year Andrew was when I went to Vegas I bet on the Saints in a parlay and lost and I had a bet where. You can bet in Vegas, not over under. You can bet like between like 32 and 38 points, and I bet it. And the last Mark Ingram touchdown killed me. Ouch. Um. So, do you, but you don't. You, you are you. You're not like much of a gambler, right? You don't. Yeah, I do a little bit. I, I dabble at small amounts. You know, I'm definitely not. Someone but do you, that... do you do you stay away from the Saints? No, I, I will bet occasionally. Just because, again, it's one of those things where, you know, instead of thinking with your head, you're thinking with your heart a lot of times. And it's just uh, I'm biased and clouded by my own uh, my own rooting. 
so I try to avoid it if I can. But yeah, you know, I I definitely got hosed on a, a few Saints picks this year. I was atrocious picking Saints games in my column this year. At yes, one, you were. At one point, I think I had missed ten consecutive in a row. Yeah, I mean, you had people literally begging you to pick <laughs> against them. Yeah, I did. Um, so another, this is from what crazy thing will Rob Ryan do to make headlines this off season? I don't know, man, because last year he was like the king because the defense was so good. Like he could go to the Greek fest and he could be in St. Patrick's Day Parade. I don't know. I think Rob Ryan might keep a low profile. No, and, and that, that that is crazy. I mean, if, if you expect certain things from Rob Ryan, I mean, if, if there's anything we know about him now, it's he likes the party. So I think the crazy thing will be that he we won't be seeing much of him. He He won't be going out. He won't be. If, yeah. if he's drinking, he's doing it alone in his basement, <laughs> even though New Orleans has no basement. Yeah. Here's one from OK Awesome. What are the odds Andy Tanner makes the team next year? <laughs> same as me? Same as me making the team? Uh, yeah, I'm going to put it at a solid 0.1%. Do you buy the crap Breeze and, and everyone says about learning a lot this season and being able to fix it in 2015? Um. I don't necessarily think there's much for Breeze to learn. Um, so I think, you know, possibly he's referring to other players. Um, but uh, I think the main thing, the main issue with the Saints, I don't really know how they're going to address the lack of leadership defensively. I mean, I don't know if they, you know, start signing a bunch of old, decrepit guys that are going to be good rah-rah locker room people. Oh, geez, don't, we're going to do the, bro- the, we're gonna do the whole Brian Cox thing again where they brought it. Yeah, exactly. And we know how that works. So, you know, that's the issue that that's that's the issue. I think sometimes when you bring these declining players, but you think, oh, well, they'll be good locker room guys. The problem is the younger guys don't listen to guys that that can't do their talking on the field, too. If you're running your mouth and you're you're doing all this, but 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 you can't translate that onto the field guys start losing respect for you pretty quickly and it's a what have you done for me lately league so no they need they need cam jordan akeem hicks and lofton and those guys and vaccaro and vaccaro to a certain extent a little bit you know and the thing is i'm not ready to i know vaccaro struggled and they had rumors and and, and all this about him being this year the one thing that i said last week and i'll say it again about vaccaro that gives me hope is he was so distraught about how he was playing last year that he reached out to Earl Thomas of the Seahawks, who is a form, it was a Texas guy just like him. And Earl Thomas kind of gave him a pep talk. So, any chance me, Earl Thomas taught, told him that it was a bad idea to get hammered before games? Hopefully, before games? hopefully so. But I mean, at least at least that tells me, Andrew, that Vaccaro knows that it's bad and is wants to be better whereas like with galette he's just a crazy person and i'm you know yeah i don't think anyone's really telling him what he should be doing no it's it's not resonating yeah no so um it it, you know uh uh did i rant let's see let's see what other question we have um why on God's green earth would I ask you guys for financial advice? This is from Randy Chodal. Uh, because whatever we tell you, you just do the opposite and you probably make millions. 
Uh, it's and, true. Andrew, here's a legitimate question, though. Will they keep Saunders as return guy or misuse new running back or Cooks to do the returns next year? Man, I hope Jalen Saunders um, stays. And, and look, I mean, the the whole thing about returning is, first of all, I don't think Cooks, that, that's like his natural no. thing. No. I think they, they tried it, and it was a little bit of a square peg in a round hole. And I, I think they hoped – He's so fast. He's so explosive. If he figures it out, he could be really good. And I, I still think that's possibly true. But when he broke his thumb, it was on a punt return, I believe. And so, you know, it's one of those things where do you really risk injury to a guy that's, that can be such a key part of your offense? Um, I, I think you finally found a guy that's pretty explosive that, um, you know, is a nice addition to the team. And, and so uh, I'd like to see Jalen Saunders kind of get the full shake. He's here. got whatever it is that you need to return punts. And I don't know why certain guys have it and certain guys don't, but he's got it. He's got that. He knows how to set up the blocks. He knows how to be patient. He knows how to cut at just the right time. And to me, he sh- he showed enough to me where he's worth a roster spot. Like if he's- oh, I mean, I, I would be shocked. I mean, obviously, barring injury and on returns, it can definitely happen, but. I would be shocked if Jalen Saunders is not the opening day returner for the yeah. Saints. The only way he's not going to be is if he fumbles his way out of the job, which he did with the Jets. Yeah. That's it. I mean, I think there's a lot of big-name players on the Saints, you know, Jari Evans, Ben Grubbs, Marcus Colston, Pierre Thomas, uh, that have less job security right now than Jalen Saunders. Yeah, I mean, so this is another one. How did Kevin lose the contest with his army of hoes from Tinder? I don't know, and frankly, Saints podcast, chronic podcast. I, th- I thought we had that in the bag. I thought we did too. I we, think someone at the eleventh hour made a push, and and we didn't win. And, win. and it's my greatest disappointment in 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 me as host and you as listeners that we didn't get this done because we were close. I thought we were going to get it done, and we were going to prove the power. He, of this he finished. He finished in second place, right? Yeah, he did. That's too we bad. didn't get. We didn't get it done. Maybe next year. I don't know. Um, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it for the, for the, uh, for the question. Um, the one, the, the Eddie Kinnison, somebody nominated as a waters, that would have been a good choice too for bad fantasy. Yeah. And, but I think Eddie Kinnison had like one, like two or three. Did he have a punt return for a touchdown there? Or yeah. Something? And I, I want to say like the one game, like the, the loam started when under Ditka, like, on Christmas Eve, I want to say like Kinnison had like eight catches for a buck seventy and two scores. So we can't have we can't have that kind of production on this. No, team. absolutely not. No. 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 So that, that like disqualifies. I mean me. that 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 starts to get in a dangerous territory with like a fantasy weekly win right there. Yeah. No. No. We can't have that. No. The one thing that I, I didn't disc- I, we didn't we didn't uh, we didn't talk about that that uh, we'll talk about next week with Dave and Kevin here is uh, analytics and football analytics. And I argue, uh, JR took over the Cornell Street Chronicles uh, Twitter on Sunday. And I was arguing back and hip, back and forth. And, and Andrew, my thing with football analytics is it's not that I don't, it's not that I don't believe in analytics, but football analytics, I believe if you, if you, if you have Baseball is number one because it's all statistical based and basketball too. Football, when they say for PFF and football outsiders that it's advanced football statistics, it still has a giant chunk of opinion in it. 
And if it has opinion in it for grades, then it's not really hardcore analytics. That's my only point with football analytics. No, it's it's totally opinion based. And so now you're getting into this territory where where is it the same guy grading? You know, and if it's a different guy grading, then from week to week, then how can you trust that that the evaluation's the same? Yeah. You know, and and it, it's it's how how do you know that one guy that's evaluating isn't doesn't have a lot more experience with football than the other one? You know, and and so I I think when you've got a, a huge variance of both personal opinion and qualifications, you're going to get results that are all over the map, not accurate and not consistent. And so that's my main thing. But yeah, like you said, so much of it, it, to me, analytics, when someone says analytics now, it's statistic based. It's, it's pure numbers because you look at the, the NBA and major league baseball and the way they have their analytics, it's purely based on numbers with, with, Pro football focus, so much of it is, yes, there's a scoring system, but it's basically someone evaluating, okay, I saw this, this guy did this wrong or he did this right, so I'm assigning a value of of this based on what I see. And so it's still just player evaluation. It's exactly what I do with the player grades. Yeah. But um, instead, you, know, you, know, you if, if if you if you call if instead of grading it, you know, instead of you saying A B C D F, if you had a plus or minus system, and you called it analytics, people would be like, oh, that's analytics. But because you grade it as a B as a, a B C D E, you know, A B C, you know, that it you it's opinion based, but it is, and that's the thing with like with like baseball, where like if you have hits, walks, innings pitched, like that's Nothing but they take a bunch of numbers and they crunch them. There's yeah, no facts. Yeah. there's no opinion on it at all. Now you can say I don't really think that stat is as valuable as this stat, and you can go that route. That's totally fair. But I just feel like with the football analytics, don't call it analytics. It's not analytics. It's, it's I think I've told you this story. I've told you this yeah. story before many times, Ralph. But I'll, I'll go ahead and I'm sure the listeners remember me saying this at some point. But I'll go ahead and say it again. Um, and and th- this isn't to rag on pro football focus. I mean, I, I still think it's a good data point. I think yeah. it's good for reference. I, I just I don't take it as Bible. And I think it's important, just like my player grades, to to kind of know that a lot of times there are going to be things where I don't know the play call. I don't know the player's assignment. And I could be dead wrong on, on my evaluation of something. Um, and I think it's the same goes for pro football focus. And um, but I, I think the main thing to take away here, the, the story that really resonates with me, a current Saints player, a guy that's currently on the Saints, once told me that he graded out at a 90% from the coaches. And now this wasn't just – this wasn't public information. This wasn't like them talking to the media and, and, and talking him up. I mean he was told by his coaches you – know, and, and, and the coaches grade the players, and they give them an gr- assignment grade for every game. And he was graded at 90%, his best grade of the year. He was awarded a game ball after the game for how well he performed. And then his PFF score came up the next day, and he had a negative grade. (laughs) So there you go. Yeah, I just – you know, and I just think football as a sport is a – it's just harder because you have 11 guys, um, you know. Yeah. Uh, final question, and I don't know who sent this in, but I – well, one, one last point, Ralph. I'll say you know, for me, the hardest things to grade 
and and I, I speak from personal opinion on this, you know, just doing it, it's, it's defensive backs and offensive line because a lot of times, you know, it looks like some guy blows an assignment, but really he's expecting help and it's the guy behind him that blew it. And, and with, again, without the play call or without knowing the assignment, you don't really know because sometimes, you know, the center may, may open up a huge gap for the middle linebacker to come in and blitz. And if the middle linebacker sacks the quarterback, you know, to the naked eye, a lot of people look at it and they're like, the center was awful, he blew it. But really, it was the running back, you know, that had that assignment that, hey, if, if the guy shoots a gap here and you need to pick up a blitz, you know, that's on you, the running back, to pick it up. And so maybe it was Mark Ingram instead of Jonathan Goodwin yeah. in that scenario. Or, or similarly, you know, with corner, a lot of times you see a, a running back blow right past the corner and you think, well, why didn't he stick with his man? Could have easily been a zone and the safety over the top. Uh, you know, converges on the middle of the field when he should have been in his zone. And, and so, you know, it, it, things like that happen all the time. And again, without knowing for sure, you're you're going to get wrong sometimes. Yeah, I mean, and it's just, it's just the football analytics. I am, I'll lean harder on basketball analytics and baseball analytics to tell me more accurately than football because football is yeah. it's, football is just not there yet it, it's getting it's better not. but it's just not there and, and it's it's still worth referencing it's yeah. still worth looking at it I, I still find it interesting but um you know i just want to point out that it's it's, it's definitely it's, for th- those of you who act like it's infallible or you know that, that kind of negate the comments that oh f- football is not that hard it, it's not that football is like this magic secret recipe that no one can figure out but when you don't know the play call and you don't know the assignment, you're, you're shooting from the hip. Yeah, and the thing is, baseball, the thing is, a first baseman is a first baseman is a first baseman, whether he's Pittsburgh, New York, Atlanta, Chicago, wherever. But for football, you could have Devery Henderson, and yeah, he never caught 70 balls for the Saints ever, but he blocked his ass off and had a specific role that the Saints wanted him to play. You know, so it's just it's just it's just a different animal, but but uh, it's getting better. And I, you know, I think I think it's gonna I think it I think it I think it's gonna get better. And I think what's gonna happen, Andrew, is is a, a place like ESPN or Sports Illustrated, the Monday Morning Quarterback, is going to invest in graders, and they're gonna get old coaches and old GMs, and they're gonna say, hey, old coach that. You're gonna you're gonna just grade the Saints, and it's not gonna be some 20 year old kid doing it for fun, and then it's gonna get better. But it's yeah, gonna, but that's it's, part it's, of it. I, I also think there's some component, and you know, obviously someone would have to devise you know a, a new a new way of doing this. But down the road, I mean, I think the NBA with their lineups is really onto something. You know, with the plus minus category of you know, when, when this guy's on the floor, you know, the, the team is up seven points yeah. or down 13 points. And, you know, I think over time, you know, you add enough information together and you it starts to paint a picture if you have enough um, of a data. Yeah, that would be interesting. Like, you know, and, and so, you know, I, I think when you look at the heavy rotations in the NFL and you look at, uh, you know, when you're grading all of a sudden 500 plays in a year, 700 plays in a year, um, you know, having, you know, the, the guy when he's on the field, how many yards do they gain? On average, uh, yep. I, I think some sort of statistic like that um, could eventually be something that's worth looking into. Or by formation too. Yeah, exactly. You know, like if, if yeah, absolutely. You know, like if you say, hey, the Saints when they're in nickel and they're in dime, they give up 
X per X yards per play. When they're in this, they give up X yards per play. I mean, it's gonna get it's gonna get better. It's just gonna t- it's just gonna take it's just gonna take one of these big sports behemoths or a website investing money in it to get to to get the grading uniform. And another thing with football analytics, last thing is you know. For NBA, if you have a bunch of stat heads in the room, they can go, well, I'm going to argue with you about per. I'm going to argue with this about uh, usage rate. And they have all these things that the analytics people for NBA, they all understand. And it's the same thing for baseball, Andrew, right? you know, got whip and you know on-base plus slugging and fly ball rate and all these things. For football, they don't have any of these. Yeah, it's guys pointing to a, a PFF grade. You know, they don't with have, no explanation. Yeah, they don't have anything of like like use like we were just talking about like usage rate and things that are a plus b equals c and you can argue with the formula of how they they do it, but it's all numbers based. Football doesn't have that yet, and I just think yeah. But um, this is an, this is the most important question of the podcast, Andrew. Uh, and I forgot who who did it, but I I marked it and wrote it down. King cake. Not during carnival. Is it acceptable or an abomination? <laughs> well, you know, I'm one of those that, you know, being in Virginia, uh, I will have a cake from Haydell's uh, mailed to us, and I will definitely get it during non-carnival season sometimes. I mean, my wife loves king cake. It's pretty much a food group for her. So, um, I mean, we, we've definitely had it outside of carnival season and I don't frown on people to do, but yeah, I mean, as a general rule, I think that's kind of the deal is it's Mardi Gras season only. Is there um, any king, is there any king cake flavor? That's an abomination. Like, cause they're king cake. They haven't like king cake festival. And they're getting- I kind of, I kind of think all flavors are an abomination. I feel like you either get the traditional classic king cake, you know, and I'm talking, you know, not, nothing on the inside, just kind of your, your standard king cake with the sugar frosting and, and the uh, you know the frosting and the, and the sugar on top and that's it. I had a filling one for the first time this year. They're the cr- bullshit. My mom sent me the one from Hate with the cream cheese in it, and I was like, you, I was like, it's bullshit. But then I ate it, and I was like, man, this is good. And I saw a friend of the podcast, Billy Gormley of uh, and the Valley Shook, the LSU website for SB Nation. He made a boudin king cake, and it looked oh my God. fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm. With king cake, I'm traditional all the way. No fillings. My ma- my wife just said Randazzo's has the best. Uh, d- agree to disagree. Yeah. She's like, I'm not even from New Orleans. King cake, king cake people, it's it's a passionate thing, though. But, I feel like we should get uh, Haydell's to give us some sponsor money right like now. We should. Is- I feel like we should. You know, and, and the thing is, with as we end this podcast – uh, we, we we're really getting to the dark times for this podcast because we, we 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 LSU may or may not be a tournament team. The Pelicans are just a fucking. Just when you think they get their shit together, they get injured or something happens. You know, like like they they the Pelicans. It's it the Pelicans can be summed up this way. Anthony Davis goes to Oklahoma City in a huge game. Looks phenomenal andrew hits a ridiculous game-winning shot on a friday and you're like hell yes the pelicans are three games over they're they're hosting the bulls the pacers and the jazz at home they're going to be in really good shape right before the all-star break 
The next night, Anthony Davis sprains his shoulder. They lose all three. Yeah. And it's just, you know, I mean, that yeah. that's just the Pelicans. Um, so we're, we're in the dark times because we're, we're too far away from the draft, talk draft, but the Saints don't have any news. We don't have any news until free agency starts in March. So bear with us. But we'll have Held next week to talk wrestling. We'll have Dave. He'll be changing a diaper and telling you where to eat in New Orleans. Um, and we'll have we'll have a good fantasy football team. We'll have the good fantasy team, which we're gonna have to make some rules for that because it 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 could it could literally, Andrew, it could be nothing but post 2006 Saints. Absolutely. So we we might have that we might have to make some restrict restrictions. So for Dave who's not here, for Kevin who's not here, but is always always on Tinder. Uh, Andrew, go to Saints Nation. Andrew's got a bunch of stuff. Andrew, what do you have up this week? Yeah, we're uh, gonna be looking at the combine a little bit, which starts tomorrow. Um, so we might have some stuff up there on that. Uh, I'm gonna uh, run some draft simulations. Uh, which I'll be posting about. So, uh, you know, there'll be a chance to kind of uh, see where the Saints head is at and what what are, what are possible available picks at 13. Uh, so we'll start talking about that stuff and obviously free agencies around the corner. So, yeah. Yes, do that. And also, I forgot, but please. I got to I got to give a shout out to, uh, you know, obviously Marin, who uh, passers to Monadula, who, you know, did a lot of work uh, all season long. And uh, Brian Pavic, who is just a workhorse and has been uh, writing some great stuff for us. So um, you yeah, ch- definitely check out his stuff. And too. I got to give out one, a shout out to Sarah Tonks who donated $50 over the weekend. Whoa. Thanks, Sarah. 50, 50 bucks. Please donate. We need to raise funds for the unlimited bandwidth for this year. And my computer from 2006 is making a grinding noise when I, when I turn it on. So we need to raise money so I can have a computer to edit and run this. That's from all that time you're spending on Tinder, isn't it? It probably is. So, but we need to raise, we need infrastructure money, people. So donate what you can. You don't have to donate 50 like the awesome Sarah. No, that's very generous. Thank you, Sarah. $5, $0.50, whatever you can donate. We need it. So for all the rest of us, for Dave, for Kevin, for Andrew, uh, until next week, uh, be safe. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And 
Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.